lift your voice to him. Worship him this morning. Hallelujah. Ever praise. Ever word of worship. It's to him. For he is worthy. He alone is worthy. Christ our Lord. Amen. You love him today. Let's sing it. Come let us adore him. Amen. Can we just worship him just a moment? Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ our Lord, he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy, for He alone is worthy, for He alone is worthy, our Lord. One more time, oh, let us adore Him, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ our Lord. Lift your hands to him now. Just worship him just a moment. What a mighty God we serve. There is no other. You're the only object of worship. Lord, you're the only place that your name is, is in Christ. It's not placed in any group, any people, but your name is placed in Jesus Christ. When we come into you, Lord, then, oh God, we come into that place of worship. Today, oh God, as we enter into the Spirit, as we enter into your courts with thanksgiving, as we come into this place, Lord, may your Holy Spirit just draw near. Surround us, oh Lord. Surround us. Speak to hearts and lives today. Bring healing and deliverance and salvation ever need supply Lord you're the need supplier and we're asking good God as our prayer requests have been for serious needs today our brother Gary may just be reminded that that devil is defeated may just be reminded that that healing is sufficient may he just remember that the Holy Spirit has done its work raised him up when he was a man that was dying and healed him. May he see again the mighty conqueror coming through on his behalf. Let healing go forth today on the wings of the Holy Spirit right to that need today. Lord, to those that are part of our service entering in with us, maybe in streaming, maybe in faraway countries, may Lord, they realize they're not that far away. 
They're in the presence of the Almighty. And here in heavenly places where we dwell today, where the worthy one is, where the Almighty, where the one who deserves our worship is present. May in that presence, at that throne of grace, healing be done for them, deliverance, salvation. For those that are in need today, may they find that refuge in you, Lord. May they realize, Lord, there is an altar that they can come to. Not necessarily this altar here, but Lord, an altar, a place provided where a sacrifice lays, where you gave your all for us that we could have healing and deliverance. I pray you'll anoint us today. May we minister today without malice, without, without strife, but just minister the word of God. May it dwell in us richly. May we be able to walk from this place and say we've surely been in the presence of God. Surely God is here. And he's come and he's delivered. Because everywhere he comes, there's deliverance. I pray your people will worship you today as the word goes forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. As you turn to Matthew chapter 17, we'll read from the 14th verse this morning for our scripture reading. I want to remind you that you're not Baptists or Methodists, that you're believers of the message of God in this day, and I want you to respond like it. Amen. 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 I want you to respond as if you're believers because that's what you are. Amen. So respond in kind. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, and oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to my disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to, unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And Peter calling to remembrance, saith unto uh, the master, unto him, and, and I'm actually reading from another passage here, but just, just getting this here, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree, which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, but, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things that he saith, which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. 
Therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Do you believe that word of promise this morning? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I spoke some Sundays ago on, on us, this scripture, and I hope you don't think that I got all there was out of that. Because I think it is such a deep and wonderful scripture to, um, that, that merits us speaking on many times, actually. It ought to be the theme of our heart and our lives that we have faith in God. That that's where we put our faith and our confidence in. Here Jesus is speaking of a greater faith. And, um, and yet he calls it a mustard seed faith. That is small, but yet that faith will grow into a mighty tree. And of course, where we are living in this day, it's a day of great unbelief. And we, we must have the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And I think that was the call of Jude as they were drifting. And I think that's where the call comes back to here in this end time as we're returning back to our homeland. And we're going to be speaking on the, the people of the book as we return to the homeland of the book. And of course, the, um, the third pull, which is the call back to the atonement. Now, the, these uh, words maybe to some here might be a little bit mysterious, but as we go along, you'll understand a little more what we're talking about as we as we begin to go into the vision and the things that Brother Branham had concerning the last phase of his ministry that he called the third pull or the third phase of his ministry. Now, Jesus, of course, dealing with the disciples here, having found them um, uh, not able to cast out a devil, that he rebuked them for not believing. Rather than commending them for trying, he rebuked them for not believing. And saying, oh, faithful or faithless and perverse generation, how long will I be with you? And the Hebrew translation adds, woe to them that deny me. So when we disbelieve, we're actually denying him. We're denying his power. We're denying his ability. We're denying even his word of what he said because Jesus had actually given them the power to cast out every devil. Now, of course, we're here in a rapture hour, and it's a, it's a time where we believe that we will be raptured out or physically translated out of this last Laodicean age. And that will require that a people be returned to the faith in back to the original atonement again, to know what the power of the blood of Jesus Christ has done and where it places us as believers. And of course, it will be a people that will give the word of God the preeminence. In other words, it's going to take that word above everything. Now, to do this, of course, it would take a prophet to arise, to turn our hearts back, to the original faith. How many believes we're in an hour of restoration? Amen. Amen. And I believe that we're in a time where that restoration is almost complete. 
where that we're about to actually even have the redemption of our body come into the fullness of redemption. I would like to go back and, and again revisit some things today. And uh, as we, it'll take me some time to do it, but there's um, some very um, integral parts of, uh, of, the, of the pieces of Brother Branham's ministry that we want to bring to, your, to the forefront of your attention today. And, um, you know, and, but I want to rehearse again about the year 1955, which has been many years ago now, being that, you know, that I was only a year old myself. And, but um, there, it, at that time in 1955, it was, had been nine years since the angel of the Lord had appeared and sent Brother Branham um, as out to forerun his second coming, to bring a message that would prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. And it would start out with a gift of divine healing, showing the, the power of the original atonement, what the blood of Jesus would do. This had been long forgotten by the denominational world because uh, the... Um, the, the blood of Jesus was now thought of as something of a historical event, something we sung about, something we talked about, but something that we never attained to its great power. Its power and its ability to heal the sick or even to change lives where that they could live above sins was now missing from the church. And the church has settled down into Laodicea where they're lukewarm and cold and powerless. And so even by, you know, um, even in 1946, you know, they, God sends out with a message of divine healing to stir the hearts of the people, to get them to start believing because we're going to have to be a people of faith. And we're going to believe that we're going to be physically changed, standing on our feet and gray hair go back the right color. And, amen. Our, our flesh turn back to young again. And the dead in Christ, not, not just a Lazarus dead four days, but dead for 2,000 years for rise. And will appear unto us. It's going to take a people of faith to believe in the what is thought of as impossible. And this is more than a story. This is actually something that is promised by the word of God that cannot fail. Amen. Now, so as, as in 1955, um, the divine healing at first had been embraced by by the Pentecostal denominations and, and um, by 1955 they were withdrawing their support mainly due to financial reasonings. You know, by now there was so many emulators and impersonators. The field was crowded with divine healers and they would use the promise of healing as a lure to make money or to get money from the people. And of course it would eventually turn out to be a prosperity gospel that they would finally evolve into of how, you know, that you, by making a preacher rich or a movement rich, well, they in turn would become rich as well by giving. And so, you know, this would become, finally become the emphasis as it would turn off. You wonder sometimes what was the decline of the divine healing movement. Why did it start dying down? And it was because the attraction was changing from the original atonement uh, 
of salvation, of deliverance, and setting God's people free to more kingdom building and to more to um, building up the systems of man and, and, and money and popularity. And so, of course, um, you know, it, it brought about a time of, of impersonations. As you know, the Bible would tell us that as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, that there would be men that would rise up of the same perverseness that would, uh, would use gifts, for they were gifted to keep people from, from uh, uh, believing the word of promise and instead you know, like Janus and Jambres, they would try to hold them in Egyptian bondage by impersonating and thus cheapening the signs that God gave unto Moses. And these impersonators crowded the field during the divine healing movement and were riding on Brother Branham's coattails that claimed the biggest tents, the most healings, the largest crowds, the greatest miracles, the largest magazines with the most... Uh, subscribers and and of course you know this impersonation goes all the way down to the age and the time that we're living in of uh, those who wants to you know wants to be the prophet now with their own revelations to um you know to make it bigger to embellish to go beyond what the messenger said and, uh, and these men in their minds think of themselves as more gifted, um, more intellectual, the, the, more able to bring better clarity, more able to bring revelation than the prophet of God that God vindicated and set apart for this generation to receive a message from. And uh, of course, you know, in doing so, these impostors want to claim a higher revelation that they can, in fact, read between the lines, that they can come to conclusions now that the prophet didn't even make. And they insist that the bright age is an age that is beyond Laodicea, beyond the seventh angel's message, and they offer cheap gimmicks by claiming that they are now the seat of mercy. Now, in the face of this great shaking hour that, you know, when, when the devil can't get you or keep you from seeing the truth, he'll push you overboard with it. So it's really important in this day and hour to stay balanced. Amen. Amen. To stay with what a vindicated word has said. Now, this is an hour of delay. This is a time where uh, the part of, of waiting uh, for his coming and um, for the rapture, for the meeting in the air, and there is a delay that is associated with that. And of course, as we have waited, there's risen new generations of men who know not God. They've never known the power of the resurrection and the, and the Holy Ghost that it brought. And I fear that today that many are, are reaching for something new, and something beyond the message and the messenger as, as men want to read between the lines because they know they are missing something. And they mistakenly feel that and believe that a new teaching will bring it. And, and of course, it's the delay. And people have actually in this time have become disillusioned with the message. 
They had hoped it would bring about the promised change and the resurrection and disillusioned as they are. You see, they, they're going the wrong direction because they're not going back to Pentecost. They're not going back to the original outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Word that a prophet of God pointed us back to. To go back to the original anointing, to the original atonement, to the blood, to the power. Amen. To, to the very workings of Jesus Christ. You see, so disillusioned as they are, they did not go to Pentecost, but now will head in the opposite direction, hoping that some vain philosophy and theories of men will feel the emptiness on the inside. This has caused a rise, a new, a new uh, uh, splurge of foolish virgins who, are, who are realize I'm missing something in my life. So therefore, they're looking for something that will ignite them and set them on fire. But you see, it, it does bring a false hope and a false security. Because, you know, then they believe that because they see there's something special. You see, it's, it's seduction by using hype, grossly exaggerating the importance of doctrine rather than what is truly needed. You know, a new explanation of the truth is not what is needed. Reading between the lines today is not what is needed. Embellishing what a prophet brought is not what is needed. Amen. Coming to new conclusions and theorizing the message is not going to satisfy the longing in a heart. What is needed is to get back to true Pentecost. Back to the original gospel. Back to the original atonement. That's the only thing that'll do it. Brother Branham would tell us in the Ephesian age, he said, God tells them to remember. Because they have lost their first love. And he said, uh, evidently something had left their mind. They had forgotten something. He told them to go back, turn their back in their mind to their point of origin. The, the origin of the first age was Pentecost. And they had fallen from it. They had forgotten the glory and the wonder of it. It was time to go back in mind and then in reality. Back to when they can say, for me to live is Christ. Amen. Back to purity when the Ananias and Sapphira were dealt with. Back to the gate called beautiful. Oh, what approach it is to drip from God and countenance those acts that defile his name. Let those who name his name depart from sin and keep their vessels pure for God. Look what you once were in your heart and mind and in life and then go back to it. I'll tell you what, I think even today, friends, we need to go back to our first love. Return back to when you were really in love with Jesus. When he meant everything. When the rapture meant everything. Amen. Now, you know, again, these new generational preachers can go beyond the vindicated message Because they don't fear the Lord nor the judgments that are coming. Too busy, caught up, extolling their greatness to be bothered by the Lord's return. I think it's all a part of the delay where they're scoffing, actually scoffing at the prophet and his message, belittling him by showing again and again, he didn't take us far enough. 
He wasn't capable of fully de delivering his message. So now we've got to go to conclusions that he didn't make. In these supposed conclusions and this supposed um, greatness, rather, it said they, they think now we are the seed of mercy, that they are the God's chosen place of worship, that now they're in an age beyond the message of the seventh angel, now living in another age somehow higher and greater than the seventh age and his message. Yet I hear Jesus say, to the last age of Laodicea, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. I want you to know that was what he said to the seventh age. Amen. There's going to be some those in the seventh age, are you with me, that will overcome the wickedness of the age. Amen. The wickedness of all of the atrocities of sin and will stand there on the word of God. People who will be overcomers in this hour and will sit with him on his throne. Amen. Amen. And to this, the prophet of God would add this remark to that Revelation 321 where he says, we find the true vine, the true spirit, true church people, exalted to the very throne of God with the highest compliment ever, ever paid to a humble, steadfast spiritual group. Aren't you glad to be a part of that group? Amen. That he would give the highest compliment to the last age, to those who, who are those who are victorious in this age. He would pay the highest compliment to you. Amen. To exalt you to the very throne of God. Amen. What an what a honor that is to be chosen to rule and reign with him. Now, then, of course, if we're not the bride of the seventh age, then who is it that receives the gold which represents the Christ-like character that is needed to be the bride? You've got to have his character to be united with him. Who else is going to get the white robe of the wedding garment but the bride? Who else but... But the, gets the eyesight, but those of the seventh age who under their messenger have their eyes opened. Amen. Oh, who is it that will not reject the one who knocks at the door and said, if any man opens, there's somebody in Laodicea that opens the door to him. There's somebody going to believe his message. Amen. Then who is it that is that seventh horn through whom the lamb defeats his adversaries? Amen. Who else is it but those who overcome in this last age? Amen. Who else besides the bride of Christ is so zealous of his love that they will repent and leave the world in sin and return back to Pentecost and give him the headship? And we're not talking about Azusa Street. Don't you get me mixed up. We're talking about the original book of Acts. Back to Paul's gospel. Amen. Now, of course, as Brother Brandon would say in God's chosen place of worship, he said, I've stood here nearly 30 years now around the city here and screamed the same message. I'm getting old and I can't be with you too much longer. But remember in the day of judgment... My voice is recorded and it'll speak out against you. There is only one place that God puts his name 
And that's not in a church, but in Jesus. And there's only one place of worship, only one place you'll be received, and that's in the beloved Jesus Christ. There is not another name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. No church, no creed, no nothing. Jesus Christ. And that's supposed to be the message of the hour, to return back the hearts of the children, back to the faith that was once delivered to the saint. And he said, won't you accept it tonight? How many has accepted that? Amen. Amen. Oh, my, the message to turn you back. Now, so again, he would say in God's chosen place, church, wherever you are, what you belong to makes me no difference. But there's one thing you must know, that you've got to be in Christ or you're dead. You can't live outside of him. Your church might be all right as a building. Your fellowship might be all right as men. But when you deny the body, the blood, the word of Jesus Christ, you're dead the minute you do it. It's God's chosen place of worship. Amen. There's where he put his name is exactly. That is where he chose to put his name. Not in the church, but in the son, Jesus Christ. Notice safety lied only in the place of his choosing, in his lamb, in the name of the lamb. Notice it was a male lamb. I want you to get this. It was a male lamb, a he, not her. Not a church, she, but his name, not her name. Amen. Where was he going to meet the people was not in her name, but in his name, him, the lamb. Now we say, well, the church, the great mighty church, she did this, she did that. She's weighed the storms. We, we picked up in population. We're great in numbers. We're a mighty church. She, she's, a, she's a great thing. But God never said anything about a she. He said him. Him is the meeting place, the lamb, not the church. Not her name, but his name. He didn't put her name anywhere. He put his name in him. That's why all we do, must, our word or deed, we must do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. If we pray, we got to pray in the name of Jesus. If we ask a petition, we got to ask in Jesus' name. If we walk, we walk in Jesus' name. If we talk, we talk in Jesus' name. If we baptize, we got to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. For all we do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. So this is not about her. It's about him. Amen. You hear, you hear the foolish saying today, oh, today is not Elohim. It's not about her. It's all about him, Elohim. Amen. Amen. Not one time did Brother Branham point us to an Elohim. Amen. It's not in the message. Do your search. It's the embellishment of people who wants to have something new. Are you with me? Well, you say, but Brother Tim, she is him. And that is true. She, she is him. But she's not the same as him. Amen. Therefore, it is not her blood that saves us, but his blood. Amen. Therefore, the atonement is not in her, but in him. Therefore, the mercy seat is not in her, but in him. 
Amen. You say, but Brother Tim, it's all about the bride. And, and it, hey, you know, it, it's all about her. It's not about him. Well, that might be true from a groom's perspective. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's all about her. Jesus thinks it's all about you. Amen. It's all about you. That's what Jesus thinks. Now, Laodicea thinks it's all about me, my group, us. Are you with me? But, but Jesus, of course, he thinks it's all about me, my bride, my people. That's called for my namesake. Amen. But from her perspective, it ain't about me at all. It's all about him. It's how great he is. Not how great I am. Not how great our church is. Not how great our group is. How great he is. Amen. That's the coming we're looking for. Amen. That's who we want to see is him. Amen. So from the, from the groom's perspective, it's all about her. But from the bride's perspective, it's all about him. Amen. Oh, I want to see him. I want to look upon his face. Amen. I want him. What will I do when I see him? Look at the hope, the expectancy we must have. We must not pretend we're the coming of Christ. Amen. We must not do away with the greatest hope of the church. Amen. You see, but the whore, on on the other hand, it's all about her. Hmm. Revelation 18, 7. How much she glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow, and I shall see no sorrow. You see, for the whore is all about her. It's not about her husband. Amen. It's not about his seed. It's not about his promise. It's not about his home. It's not about him. It's all about her. Now, you see, I just want to just, I'll get, I'll get through this here in a minute and we can go on. But, you know, the way some present it today, it looks like Jesus is going to have to take second place to the bride. He's unneeded now because she's the mercy seat, the intercessor, the blood, or she's even the second coming of Christ. You know, we used to look forward to knowing Jesus is coming back and the fulfillment of 1 Thessalonians 4, but now it's all over with. He's already come, but not the way that he promised. That was all denominational traditions anyway. You know, it used to be that we could look forward to eternity. But now it's said we're already there. That we're already in the eternal eighth day. We've already made it. We're already there. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're born again, you do have eternity inside. But unfortunately, you're still right here in this now and now, right here in time. You happen to be in the seventh age, if the prophet's right. He said, you do believe we're living in the, in the last Laodicean age, don't you? Right. Amen. We're here, right here in time. We have heard from eternity, and we're going there, but we're not there. You know, I think they figured out, you know, first they told us we were in the millennium. And we said, that ain't right. This sure don't look like the millennium to me. 
And now they tell us, well, we're already in eternity. And I say, this don't look right. We're still here in this body. Hey Amen. This is, this is not the new heavens and the new earth and the eighth day and what was promised us. Why do we want to take a substitute? That's just somebody's imagination. When there is a real Jesus who is coming for a bride who be without spot or wrinkle. I know it's old fashioned and they call me old generation but I'll just stay with this because this prophet of God said no matter how old the story is it's still the truth. And he said he'll come back in a physical body. He said that's what believers believe and if you're a believer that's what you believe. You believe Jesus is coming back like he said. And you're preparing yourself for that coming. Amen. But you know, we're, you know, we look forward to Laodicea being over when the bride is raptured. But we find out now that it continues on, but we're not in it because somehow we've been caught out. and We're flying around somewhere above it mysteriously. Isn't it so grand? I just love being raptured like this, don't you? Don't make me feel no better. It's all a part of the delay. And it's only mockery. To mock his his return, to mock his coming, to mock his intercessory work, to mock the blood. We have cheapened it. When we make it a fuzzy imagination where we're already in eternity. But today, you can read between the lines. But let me tell you something about reading between the lines. Whatever you read between the lines got to be exactly what's said on the line. If you're getting to come some conclusion that what the line said is different, come on. Then, then it isn't reading between the lines. Amen. You see, you see, when you make conclusions that are different than what's on the line, that isn't not reading between the lines. When you read between the lines, you're just finding the nature of God and how that he manifests himself. Now, let me just tell you, the prophet's message was that what was between the lines. He never said his message was a love letter, Never. He taught the Bible is a love letter. And the message is what was between the lines. But today we're, we're already in another age beyond the seventh angel, so they say. And I don't know how we got there because I see them still here. But you see, Brother Branham told us that that the Laodicea age, he said, there'll never be another age beyond Pentecost. Now you say, Brother Tim, he's talking about Azusa Street. No, he's talking about the original. When you come back to the original, amen, we go from time back into eternity. Now, because the true message of, uh, the true message is Pentecost, Malachi 4 was to bring us back to there. It was to turn our hearts back to the faith. Is that right? 
So he said, like, like a man, none, another, no creature can come up from its evolution coming into a higher species than a man because a man is in the image of the God who created him. There will never be nothing higher. The Word wouldn't let it go any further because He is the Word. And neither can the Word climb above any Laodicean church age. So the message we received in this day, there's not a word to go beyond it. Amen. Now, so you know, as, as, we're, as we're here, you know, as Brother Brandon said in the rapture message, we all know we are living in the Laodicean age. There will never be another age to it. It can't be. So we're living in the Laodicean age. That's where we are. The last age. Amen. Well, the highest compliment will be given to the people of that age who are the victorious ones. They will be exalted to the throne. We're, we're not quite there. Amen. We're going to the throne, though. Amen. But even now, we can rule and reign with him in a, in a dominion right here on this earth. Now, the message is clear. There is no age after this church age. We're here in the last age. There's no such thing as being caught up out of this seventh church age except by a physical translation, the rapture. Yes, we've seen the appearing. He has appeared to us using a prophet to bring his message. He's appeared in bride form, but, he, but that's his appearing. Amen. Remember, on the road to Emmaus there, he appeared in another form, right? Amen. God has appeared using a prophet in this day to bring a message, to turn our hearts back to faith. He has appeared using a bride, a people called out for his name, and he's here in the body of his people upon the earth. How many believes that? So he's here, not, in, a, not in, a, in, the, in the physical body of Christ, but in his body of the, on the earth, which is his bride. Is that right? Amen. But, but when but he's appeared there, but he will come. Everybody say come. He will come in a literal physical body of Jesus Christ. And when he comes... The dead in Christ rises and we are changed. And until that happens, 1 Thessalonians 4 is not fulfilled. Amen. Now, so again, I'd like to share a little quotation from the Laodicean church age. And this is speaking of the seventh angel's message, which absolutely, remember, this was the words of Jesus Christ to a messenger. So this is the last warning there will not be another. The throne room has been set up. The 12 foundations have been laid. The streets of gold have been paid. The gates of gigantic pearls are raised and, and hinged. Like a pyramid, she stands so fair and glorious. The heavenly beings who have prepared her watch breathlessly, for she glistens and shines with a glory that is unearthly. Every facet of her beauty tells a story of amazing grace and Jesus' love. She is a city prepared for prepared people. She awaits only for her inhabitants, and soon they will throng her streets with joy. Yes, it is the last call, 
The spirit will not speak in another age. The ages are over. Oh, now listen. But thank God at this moment, this age is not over. He is yet crying and his cry is not only in the spiritual ears of men by his Holy Spirit, but once again, a prophet is in the land. Once more, God will reveal the truth as he did to Paul in the days of the seventh messenger, in the days of the Laodicean age. Its messengers will reveal the mysteries of God as revealed to Paul. He will speak out. And those who receive that prophet in his own name will receive the benefit uh, of uh, benefit effect of that prophet's ministry. And they that hear him will be blessed and become a part of that bride of the last days you are mentioned in Revelation twenty two seventeen. The spirit and the bride say, "Come." The corn of wheat, the bride wheat that fell into the ground at Nicaea, has come back. To the original word grain again. Praise God forever. Yes, listen to the authenticated prophet of God who appears in this last age. What he says from God, the bride will say. The spirit and the prophet and the bride will be saying the same things. And what they will say has already been said in the word. They are saying it now. Come out from among her now and be separate. The cry is gone out. The cry is going out. How long will the voice cry? We do not know. But one thing we know, it won't be long for this is the last age. Aren't you glad to be living here? The last age in the seventh watch, he comes. Amen. And there in that seventh watch, the, the prophet brings his message. The mysteries are revealed. The bride is selected from denominations and the resurrection takes place and the living are changed and Christ comes for his bride and when he does, church ages end. When he leaves, I'm going with him. But right now, he's standing in the midst of his church. Right here in the midst of the ages. Remember, hear God's prophet. This is the last age. There won't be another. And if this message don't turn your heart, reading between the lines will never do it. Amen. The word cannot climb higher. The final voice is here for the bride under her messenger is the final voice to the final age. Now, let's just go back in time just for a little bit. And I want to talk to you about this because we, we doubt just for a moment with the impersonators that would crowd the field until there were 50 or more major evangelists out there in every city, everywhere, with their own newspaper, doing their own thing, pulling the attention away from a signed gift that God was using to vindicate a message. In 1955, the IRS investigated and tried to shut down the divine healing movement as Many people were now being built and cheated out of their monies. Brother Branham, whose emphasis was never on money, was allowing his managers to handle his campaign. I want to talk about that for a minute. Because the one thing the angel of God told Brother Branham, he said, what's money? He said, be careful with money. 
it get many men's off track. This is, this is actually, I'm paraphrasing a quote here. But nevertheless, you know, um, the angel of God had warned him about money and women and popularity because he saw those sort of things that would get a preacher, right? So, in, in, um, and so his emphasis was never on money, so he paid no attention. He paid no attention to its affairs and the affairs of his campaign and how much money came in. He didn't even want to know. He busied himself about praying and fasting, waiting on God, meeting with the angel of God, seeing visions coming out and were under an anointing. He, was, he could not be distracted by money. He had men that would manage that. 1955, you can find this on the tapes. He abruptly quits and goes home because there was not enough money to cover the campaigns. And he had promised God, I'll never beg the people. I'll pass the plate, but there'll never be a beg for money in my church, in my, in my ministry. I won't allow the managers to do it whatsoever. And, and yet, you know, now, you know, the money was being sent everywhere else and used in other, other places. And now, even, even now, he come, finds himself $15,000 in debt. Now, that was equivalent to $130,000 in debt. And that was just the financing for two meetings. And during the subsequent investigations, it was found that his manager, Gordon Lindsay, was skimming off most of the money for his own use. It was reported that Brother Branham had a salary of $7,000, while Lindsay made $80,000 to be the manager of the campaigns. In today's money, Brother Branham was making a salary of $62,000, while Lindsay pocketed $750,000 for the year. You see, it wasn't at all that God had failed to provide. It was that men with their own greed and agendas were misusing their funds. Which he went, Gordon Lindsay went and built a kingdom there in Dallas of Christ the Nations. Many of you know about it. And so discouraged at that time, Brother Branham quit because he said, God ain't supplying the needs. God was more than supplying the needs. And he would return uh, back to the field a, a year later. But before he did, a vision broke. Now, this is where we're going to be talking about the third pull. Or the third phase of his ministry. Because this vision would come, it would be rich in symbology. And the vision would start showing the present status of his campaigns. And, and reveal the mismanagement of his meetings. He saw a meeting there as he was talking. He'd come off the field and, you know, he was, his wife was in the room and she was talking. All of a sudden, she faded out and a vision came before him. And he saw a meeting where that, there was some dark people that looked like Mexico. And the meetings were ill-planned. <laughs> and they got dismissed by someone before he could even get there. And he was concerned that the people had been gathered and then dismissed. And he had said to them as, as he walked at the meeting, the crowds were already leaving. And he said, who dismissed it? Well, he said, they did. And they said, well, they who? And nobody could tell him. And he said, but 
um, there was no altar call given. And he was upset there was no altar call. There, that souls had come and there was no invitation. They said, but we took up the offering. And said, um, Brother Bradham rebuked them and said, well, where did the offering become more important than the altar call? When is the offering more important than souls before Christ? And this is where it was showing him exactly where it had all went, what the emphasis, where it was being changed. And he didn't even realize what was happening, that the emphasis now was on money and not on souls. Isn't it awful when the church, that's all they can get, is really about programs rather than souls coming to Christ and people getting in love with Jesus and their life being changed? Isn't it awful when the church drifts away in the programs? Are you with me? Amen. And so, you know, he said, there he saw the 20, 30,000 people leaving the meeting. And said, they never made an altar call. That's not right. Well, we got the offering. He said, when did it come to a place that the offering was more essential than the altar call? And then he said, well, there won't be 12 people out here tonight. And, and they said, well, you're to speak this afternoon. He said, what time? Well, just any time. He said, well... And then, then they heard someone say, well, wasn't Christ left with 12 when he told them the truth? So he was shown what the truth would do. When the truth come, the masses would leave. And that's the whole thing. If people can be entertained, they'll stay. But when the truth is preached, the masses leave. Amen. That's exactly right. So, you know, again, you're to speak what time, anytime. And, and so the whole campaign was now being mismanaged. Brother Branham was shown here how it was being mismanaged. And the, and the emphasis had now come on money. And even, even Lindsay, when, when he started out, you know, a man sent from God and putting out the message and the glories of God and what God was doing now became on how much can I put in my pocket. And this was a failure of the divine healing movement. The emphasis changed from the atonement and the call to the altar for the atonement of sins and the saving of souls and the healing of the body to all being about money. And the gospel, the whole healing move turned off into a prosperity, how much we could get out of the people. And this is also the failure of denomination, more concerned about losing money than the saving of souls and the healing of the sick. So there, after Brother Branham saw that part of the vision, he said, I went deeper into the vision. And he said, all of a sudden, I was standing there with a baby shoe in my hand. And he said, I had this big string here. I was trying to cram down into the eyelet of a, of a baby shoe. Now, remember, this is rich in symbology. And, and so, as he, he was just frustrated, just trying to, trying to get that in, trying to get that into that eyelid. And, and, and the angel of God spoke to him and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm trying to thread this baby shoe. He said, but you're using the wrong end. And he looked at the other end, and it was a small end, and he could easily thread it. 
But, you, you know, he, he, as he looked at that and pondered over it, the angel said, you can't teach Pentecostal babies supernatural things. You only cause carnal impersonations. Amen. So the immature will never learn supernatural things. They don't know about supernatural. All they can do is impersonate. Somebody with me now? So this, this, of course, he said, I use the other end of the string, and later on he would talk about algebra. He said, how can I teach them algebra when they won't even learn their ABCs? Because they said, teach them gifts. He said, I can't teach them gifts. He said, that just causes impersonation. And he said, start with the little things. Start with always believe Christ. He said, well, I can't even get them to quit using their makeup and cutting their hair and wearing man's apparel and, and, you know, just doing the ABCs of the gospel, living right, doing right. Amen. Use the other end and you can thread it. Amen. That's where you got to start. Amen. You you got to start with the very simplicity of Christ. Learning the little things in life. Amen. Learning to love your neighbor, to do what is right. Amen. To, to put away your lying, your stealing, your corruption. You got to start with the little things. Amen. Sin being put behind you. and Start believing God for every promise, every word. Are you with me? You got to start there with the little thing. People want to start with the big things. Let me do miracles and signs. and oh, Let me have spoken word power. And you don't even have the character for it. Still immature. Not even mature enough to come to church regularly. Amen. That's immaturity. Immaturity. And we see a lot of it still today. And you wonder, will you ever be able to teach them supernatural things? Will they ever come to a place that they can come to that supernatural? How many would say today, God help me to come to that point where those supernatural things become real to me? Lord, let me start here just with a prayer life, just with seeking God, with getting into the Word, getting my first love right, doing what is right, and having a zeal for God. Amen. Let me thread that shoe up, Lord, until finally you can work the works of Christ through me. Amen. But you know, again, again, you know, I I think about the time, I think, about the time I think we're finally mature until we won't chase after some kingdom builder somewhere. Here comes another and sweeps the immature away. Amen. When we're going to grow up and realize it ain't about building kingdoms. It's about Jesus. It's about getting people in love with him. It's about the altar call. Bringing them through the atonement. When did anything else take preeminence over that? That'll be the emphasis of every service. Bring down the Holy Spirit where that the people are brought to Christ. They have that Satan relationship. Then he went deeper into the vision. Now he sees himself standing where there's a lake of pure, clear water. 
he sees out there a bunch of little fishes and some great big, his eyes are caught by some great big rainbow trout. You know, fishing represents preaching. In fact, to the matter, he saw a bunch of fishermen there and he said they turned out to be preachers. Amen. Oh, to catch that covenant people. Rainbow represents a covenant. Amen. The, the big fish was a mature people that can go, that can be harvested, that can go in a rapture. Every age is long for that. Amen. If we produce anything, that's what we want to produce. Not another little fish. Not a bunch of more immature babies that never grow up in Christ, never know who they are, never, never stand on their own. Are you with me? Amen. But that mature people that can be caught by the word of God and brought and put on the master's table. Amen. How many wants to go to a marriage supper? Amen. The living's going to have to be mature to do that. Amen. Going to have to take out a mature elect lady. Amen. No matter what age you are, mature for that, for that time of life. Mature as a son or daughter of God. In love with Jesus. He looked out there and he saw those fish. He said, oh, I can catch those. I believe I can catch those. That's what I want to catch. I think if every man's looked at that lake, they wanted to catch that mature. You know, when I'm fishing and I catch a little bitty thing like that, I flip it back and say, grow up, boy. I caught a little old bass like that the other day. And I got him up, got him off the hook, kissed him. I said, come back when you're older. <laughs> Amen. We long to catch. Okay, some critics there, I've got some big ones too. But we've learned, you know, we, we learned, you know, the, 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 the little ones. It's not what we're trying to get. We're not trying to get a bunch of little ones. We're, we're not trying to get a bunch of immature people together. We want a mature elect lady that is, that is reproducing his life, that can be married to the groom. Amen. It's marriage age. It's bride time. It's the bride age. It's time that an elect lady stand forth that is dressed for the wedding, that is prepared to meet the bridegroom. It's time we not be immature. Amen. But people that are mature in Christ, that knows him, that knows his power, that has his gold Christ-like character, that are wearing the white raiment. Are you with me? He said, I watched them. He said, these other fishermen, they were, they were fishing, but they were all catching little ones. I looked out there and saw those big, beautiful rainbows. Rainbow means covenant, that covenant people. So I know that's a vision. He said, I don't quite understand these trout. And he said, so I picked up the string, but instead of being a string, now it was a fishing pole. And he said, just remember the one behind me said, now I'll teach you how to fish, to catch, how to catch those. And this is the hope of the ages. To catch the fish for the master's table. A church mature enough to go in a rapture. And he said, he said, now the angel told him, he said, what do is 
cast way out there in the deep with it. And when you do, now let the lure sink down first and said, pull it slow. And he said, now, when you feel a few and some nibbles, don't tell nobody what you're doing. Keep it yourself. You feel it nibble again. You pull it just a little bit, but not too hard. And it'll pull it away from the little fish. And when they scatter, that, that will attract the attention of the, the big fish. And they'll grab it. And he says, they, then when they bite on the third time, set your hook for the catch. So he was shown the three different phases of his ministry right there. Amen. That first, he would, he would first see, he would make his first pull or first phase of his ministry. And it would attract hundreds of thousands who would come to watch the gift work. Amen. There were healings. You don't think it was entertainment to be entertaining to sit there and watch a blind eye come open? People got entertained. Amen. They, they, many of them there was just for the entertainment. Let me just see. There were spectators. Many of them, even many of those who got healed did not become Christians or, or sold out Christians. They went right back out in, into the world again. Are you with me? Amen. Now, so as, as we're talking about this, you know, he, he would cast out and it would cause a huge crowd of little immature fish. But he said, Pull it away from them on that on that, that second pull. Amen. And he said the second pull, which would be discernment. He said, which would come to know the secrets of the heart and show the power of the word, and that it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart, and it's perfect every time. And it would pull it away from the immature little fish and pull it up a little a little more. And when it did, it would scatter those. And all you have to do is realize when he went to when he went into his second pool, instead of ministering to thousands or hundreds at night, he, he'd get down where he only ministered to ten or twelve, and many of them, many of the, the audience fell off. There wasn't enough entertainment. Pull it that second time, scattered the other. But once you scatter them others, see, it's not, the lure's not meant for them. Are you with me? Those who'll never grow up, those who'll never achieve, it never was meant for them. Those who just want to be entertained, it never was meant for them. But that third pull will catch the rainbow trout. It'll catch a, a mature people. Amen. A fish that is harvestable. Amen. It'll, it'll catch those. It'll be that word that would come. And he said that first pull was prophesying. Or, and, and the discernment. And then he second, the second pull was discernment. But he said the third pull was the opening of the word. That's what catches the rainbow trout. People who are not just after the gifts and the signs and, and just want to be attracted, you know, by entertainment. But people who've got a hunger to know that God. To know his power. To know who he is. To know 
know that life-giving power that changes a life. Listen, church, we don't want to be a group of people that just attracts those who are not interested in serving God. We want those who want to serve the Lord that love him with all their heart, with all their soul, with all that is within them. Amen. But he told him, so now keep still, don't tell anybody. And he said, all of a sudden, them fishermen come running over to him and said, oh, oh, Brother Branham, you really know how to fish. Man, man, you're great. And he said, I began to feel real big. And, and he said, oh, yeah, I, I, now I'll tell you what you do, brothers. You, you cast out, and he began to explain how to catch. And he said, you know, here's the way you do it. Throw it out in the deep, and you take it, and you throw it out, and you... you you make that first pull and it'll scatter and then the next and he jerked and he jerked too hard and he caught a little fish that just barely would cover the lure. Said it was so small. He wondered, so immature. He wondered how it even got on the, on the lure. And he would say later, I sent a million of them to, to the assemblies. I sent a mil- I sent many of them over there to the denominational churches. You see, once it wouldn't grow up. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. Those who wouldn't mature wouldn't would not go up, growing up. And he said, I pulled the whole thing out. And he said, When I did, my line got all tangled around. And I was there. I was cr- I was trying to untangle it. And the angel come and said, What are you doing now? He said, I'm trying to untangle this line. And he said, don't get your line tangled up in these kind of times. And he says, well, you know, well, what can I do? And as he said that, he went into deeper in the visions. And the angel had told him, said, see, what happened? That was your first pull. And your second pull, I told you not to explain it. And you caused a big bunch of carnal impersonations. To rise up. And you see what you've done. He said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I was pulling my line like this. I was trying to straighten my line out. And he looked at me. Now, don't get your line tangled up in these kind of times. And I just say, men and brethren, it's important we don't get our line tangled up. All knotted up with doctrine or you won't be able to fish for the mature fish. That can be harvested for the rapture. It's really important you keep your line straight in this hour. Amen. What's it got to be? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what it's got to be. That's a straight line. Amen. So he said, all of a sudden, he said, I felt myself go higher. Now he's going into another phase. He's seen the, the, the mismanagement of his campaigns. He's seen the baby shoe and the carnal impersonation. He's seen the three pulls. He says, now... I was sat behind beneath a big tent, standing under a big tent. And he said, I was higher than the people, and I was looking down, and I was watching up here. And he said, a real kind gentleman walked on out to the platform and said, it seemed like I just made an altar call. Now notice, I want you to see this, the mismanagement of the campaign caused... They're not to be an altar call and the emphasis, but the third pull of his message would be back on souls again. 
back on the true atonement. Back to the true Holy Ghost. Back to the real power of God and the salvation. That's what the last part of his ministry would do. Was to bring you to Christ. Not to a group. Not belonging to a big group of little fish. To Christ. And he said, I looked out there and he said, the altars was full and people were weeping and crying. And he says, oh, that looks better. And I'll tell you from a prophet's point of view, it looks better. When our, when our emphasis is on the atonement, on the atoning blood, on the power of Christ, on the true Pentecostal experience, on getting people back to God, then our emphasis being on programs and monies and kingdom building, get back to Christ again. Amen. That's what a prophet said. Looks better. That's what I wanted to see. That's what I tried to do. That's what I wanted my ministry to be on was on the atonement. Back to the blood again. So what is the blood? It's the Holy Ghost. Back to the Holy Ghost. Back to his true baptism. Back to people weeping their way back to Calvary. Hallelujah. And he said, I was up higher watching. Looked like I just made a big altar call and I was now up higher Another, like another dimension looking down. I was with the angel and I was watching. And he said, a kind brother stood there and he says, while Brother Branham's resting, a few minutes, we'll call the prayer line. And there he saw it going through a little room into a secret place. And he said, people would go through that and come out whole. Nobody would know what it was done It was a secret thing. It was hidden from impersonators. In other words, it could not be impersonated. And I'm going to tell you, you might impersonate his gift. Amen. You might impersonate the miracles. You might even impersonate by being a theologian and embellishing and and changing the message and coming along with a better idea. You might be an impersonator there, but you'll never impersonate this. Because I tell you what this is. It is a change of our bodies and the meeting in the air. Come on, church. And you will never be able to impersonate it. You either have the real or you're not going to be in it. You better come to that altar. You better find Christ. You better have grown up into him. You better become that mature elect lady. Because this will not be impersonated. It's the defining line of who is bride and who ain't bride. You can call yourself bride, bride all you want to. But if you ain't get, if you don't be a part of that change in a moment, a twinkling eye and see the dead in Christ rise and meet Christ in the air, you ain't a part. No matter how much you pretend now. And that's the eternity I want to make sure we're in. Now, as we go along to that, I want you to notice it didn't even take the physical presence of Brother Branham to cause those things to happen. 
he would join in his own time. Now it wasn't a tent. He said it was a cathedral tent, something he could never really define what it was. But let me tell you again, there was a callback to the original atonement. Remember, the third pull has an altar call. And if you're not getting people to the altar, to a consecrated walk with Christ, you might be preaching theology, but you ain't preaching the third pull. Amen. The third pull of this message will change your life. Amen. It'll take the impersonation right out of you. You'll never, you'll not be impersonating a Christian. You'll be a Christian. You won't be an actor or a hypocrite. You'll be a real sold out son or daughter of the living God. And that's the fruit of what we want to see. It's people's lives changed in his presence. Amen. He said, I saw them, hundreds of people, real softly and sweetly were weeping, settling by the altar, receiving the Lord Jesus. He saw me there. He saw me there. Did he see you there? Brother Craig preached on Wednesday night on the wings about the dove and the lamb. Sister Jeannie, I was taken back right back to that very place I sat in life tabernacle. I sat there. I saw my parents back there young, me a young kid, my brothers, my sister. I've never been good at being able to imagine what they were. I, I remember as they, were, as they are, the way I last saw, last saw them, the way they are now. But they were young. I sat there. Tears came down my face. The message came on the wings of a dove. The seventh angel came. Come on, somebody. Amen. The message has landed. And with that message, there's hope of deliverance. There's hope of a body change. There's hope of a meeting in the air. I don't care how old the story is. It's still the truth. There's going to be a people changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The dead in Christ shall rise. I don't care how old the story is. It's still the truth. Hallelujah. I am a believer, and that's what believers believe. It's not an imagination. It's something real. You know, the new birth that's offered in many churches today around the country is the same that's offered in denominational churches. They don't want no mess. You know, birth is a mess. Amen? Amen. No matter whether you're in a pink decorated hospital room or whether you're in a, whether it's a hog in a cog pen, it's a mess. And when you come to a new birth, oh my, amen, there'll be some mess there. Come on. Amen. There'll be a crying out to God. I want God. I want reality. It won't be some five minute down the altar. Let some preacher pray for you. But it'll be you calling to God and saying, God, I got to be changed in your presence. I cannot remain the 
same. I've got to die to sin. I've got to die to unbelief. I've got to be reborn. You know, the proofs a bunch made it clear years ago. I don't want no snotting and crying around the altar. So they took the altar out. I've been in churches where they've taken the altar out, put it in the basement. They didn't want it. But the third pole has an altar. And you cannot preach the opening of the word without an altar. We have an altar that we can come to. Amen. You say, well, my altar's in my heart. I don't care where your altar is as long as you meet Christ there. As long as when you get up, you're changed. Amen. That's what we want to see. Amen. It's not this altar we want to get you to. It's to that atonement. It's to the blood. It's to the Holy Ghost. It's to that power of God and the salvation. That's what we want to get people to. And when a church loses that emphasis, they become denominational minded. Brother Branham said, oh, by the way, this is a 64 quotation if it matters. He says, sometimes God lets you get like that. I I hear somebody today, you know their new way? This new generation, their new way. I hope it never gets in our Pentecostal ranks, realms. Though I see it leaking in, come in, shake hands. I take Jesus as my personal Savior. I like to see them get down there at an altar and die, beat, and squall, and slobber. And you know, we used to have some horses, and when we fed them clover, that real pretty sweet clover honey in it, it made them slobber. And when you get close enough to Canaan, you'll slobber a little too. You know, so eating that honey out of Canaan. Oh, hallelujah. It ought to be in this church. Every time we get together, we're eating of that honey, that clover. Amen. And it makes us slobber. It makes us shout. It makes us lose our dignity. It makes the real Christ come, show himself to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm afraid when that don't happen, we didn't have church. Because when we have church, there's plenty of clover and plenty of slobber and plenty of shouting and plenty of Jesus. Enough Jesus to go around for everybody. And everywhere he is, there's deliverance. There is salvation. Amen. There is healing. Everywhere he is, he casts out devils. Amen. Everywhere he is, they're speaking in tongues. They're shouting. They're dancing in the spirit. There's all religion and the old time way. Oh, it's time for people to ask for the old paths again. Bring me back to the old path. Bring me back to the old landmarks. Hallelujah. Bring me back to this and that that the prophet Joel spoke about. something real. Don't give me an imagination where I imagine I'm over here or over there caught up higher there. Bring me up higher into the realms of the Holy Ghost where all things
that believe. Maybe these new generational preachers aren't new generation after all. Maybe they're old generation that wouldn't go over. Who says it's too hard and too big. And we're just grasshoppers in their sight. You see, Brother Branham would say it this way in modern events. Make clear by prophecy. No, I know, I know. Please don't run up to me and show me the quotes on altar calls. I know Brother Branham was against the Methodist tradition of dragging people up to an altar. Tell them grandma died or bring a casket up and scare people out of their wits and said, you don't come to Christ that way. But he went against an old-fashioned altar call. In fact... Don't take much research to see how many times the Holy Spirit stopped him and said, make an altar call. I don't think the Holy Spirit would cause him to do something contrary to the word. He said, our denominational systems and differences, this kind of stood out to me, has put leaven in us, this and that, and the world and its fashion, and oh, it's got so until it's almost Hollywood everywhere. It'll finally come, it'll be like England, and our altar call will be ashamed. My, as a brother, as brother said, how can you get fish in the boat? That's right. Amen. We've got to have the gospel preached in its fullness with the power of God. By the way, this is one of the last sermons that he preached while he was here. And he says... We've we got to have the gospel preached in its fullness with the power of God to vindicate that according to the promise of that age and prove that it's exactly God's will. Outside of that, you're just a church member. No matter how much you try, you try to do God a service. You might go to this stitch and so party. You might be ever so faithful to church. But unless that germ of eternal life was foreordained in you to be a son or daughter of God, you'll grow up to be a deformed something. But it'll never be a real true son or daughter of God. Hmm. And I wondered what in the world was he talking about? Finally come it'll be like England, an altar call will be shamed. And I went back to the sermon before, which is the rapture sermon, and Brother Branham talks about the rapture. Do you know where he begins with the rapture? He begins it with scoffers. And he establishes in the rapture hour, it will be full of scoffers. Now they'll scoff, where is the sign of his coming? And this is a whole deal. You know, they're wanting to, they're, they're wanting to, they actually scoff at the sign that God shown and the message God brought. They scoff at it. So they be, and so they have to bring clarity to it because it was too simple, too ignorant. Wasn't said plain enough. We got to help him say what he didn't say. So he says, scoffers, just take a few minutes on that one word before we go further, scoffers. I was reading in the paper about two weeks ago in Tucson that where some Englishmen from England 
had made a statement in its headlines in the paper that the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus was only fate between Pilate and Jesus, that he'd come just to make himself something. And there's no way we could disprove that to them because all the things of God is to be received by faith. So he said, you can't disprove it. And today they scoff. Well, he's not really coming, you know. He's already come. You know, there's really not going to be a meeting in the air. You know, there's really not going to be this promise coming. That, you know, it, it's, it's just, you know, and they're scoffers. Now, here, said, here not long ago in London, England, or in England rather, were John and Wesley, John Wesley and Charles, many of those great preachers of the early days, Spurgeon and them, preached the gospel in the haymarkets and everywhere. They turned down that message of that day and look where they are in this day, scoffers. There's where Brother Williams and them are tonight. It's one of the lowest degraded countries in the world. I've been over in the world, but I don't know anything that's so illegitimate as England. Billy Graham said the same thing while he had to take his wife from the parks. The acts between men and women were going on publicly in the parks. When I was there, I never seen anything would break a person's heart any more than what was going on in England, which had the opportunity one time and led the world in a reformation, shows how it can fall. And they said, it'll finally come, it'll be like England. An altar call will be ashamed. Scoffers, so scoffed until the atonement is misplaced, rearranged, taken away from Christ. Watch. In the message leadership, just again, this is a few days before he would depart. The old-fashioned altar calls, they're out of style today, but God still moves in them. Amen. And then he would say in Invisible Union, he said, it's a true picture of the modern church today. Neither does the modern church want on any of these here screaming, shouting, tongue speaking, Acts 238 youngins around her. Yeah, yeah, she is. He don't want any of them whooping and crying and screaming. Amen. Hallelujah. Why, such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had one like that in the churches. Why, they tore her out real quick. They don't want it. Notice, because why? The third pull will only catch the elect. It's not for the little fishes. Are you with me? He says in, in a message in God's provided way for this day, a great sermon in 64 where he says, they've never, and all that they tried to find anything that's better than God's way of doing it. You know, they never found a better way for a chicken to get born in this world than to peck himself out of his shell. Did you know that? They never found a better way. The little fellow's born with a little snoot at the end of his bill, and, and that little bill he's got to go to work and get to scratching and scratching back and forth till he gets his head started, and he gets his head out, and he, he pecks his way free. It's God's provided way. You pull him out of the shell, it'll kill him. I know that. I learned that as a child. You get so anxious to see that little chicky hatch, you help him out and it kills him. Amen. It's God's provided way. 
He's got to come God's way. And that's what's the matter with Christians today. We have so soft-soaped them. We've shook their hands and brought them in sin by secret, joined them into the church. What they need is an old-fashioned prayer altar where they pray through still using themselves um, come in God's provided way till they're free themselves from the world. That's what they need. Amen. But today, the trouble of it today, they put their name on the book, they join the church, that's all there is to it. But God's provided way is to stay there, work your way through until God gives you the new birth. Amen. That ought to, I tell you what, if you're sanctified this morning, that ought to be the job you have. Amen. Is to work your way through a new birth. How do you work your way to a new birth? By, by there calling out on the name of the Lord. Whosoever calls on his name shall be saved. Amen. It won't be joining the message church and, and shaking their hand and saying, well, you believe the message, you got it. Brother, it's when he comes in your life. Amen. It ain't some emotion either like Pentecostals did. Neither is it intellectualism like the Baptists did. But it's where you come and meet Christ and your life is changed forever. Amen. Any birth, he says. I don't care where it's said. In a pig pen or hospital, a birth is a mess. And so is a new birth. It'll make you things you do things you didn't think you would do. It'll make you get down the altar and cry and scream and wash the paint off your face and raise your hands and praise God and speak in tongues and all kinds of things. The new birth will do that because it's God's provided way to be born again. Amen. There ain't no better way than to come God's way. Amen. But where you come down, it produces death and you die to your thinking. Amen. You have to die to sin. But he said, God recommends. This is a little further down, same sermon. God recommends for his children, this for his believing children. He said, because there's not a better way than the way God made a baby. He said, then to cry for what it needs. Amen. It'll cry until you find out what the problem is. Is that right? And he said, that is the way that God made a baby to cry out for his need. And he said, it's the way that God recommends for his believing children. Amen. What about the unjust judge? You remember that in the Bible? Amen. Her coming often, being perseverant, not giving up. Amen. I'm not going to quit until my life is different. Until I am changed in your presence. I don't want to turn a new leaf. I don't want a new start. I want God in my life. Amen. I've got to have him. I can't keep on going the way I've been going. Amen. He said he wants you to cry for your needs. He said not intellectual speeches. Not some great theology to teach. He wants you to cry for your needs. That's right. Cry out for it. You're too stiff and starchy. You'll never get it. Oh, God, I wish some starch would get out of Evening Light Tabernacle. Hello. Amen. I don't care whether it's Southern starch or Northern starch or Yankee starch or Rebel starch or whether it's some uh, a Canadian starch or wherever your starch come from. Get it out. Die to the whole thing. Amen. 
this is not about your race and my race. This is about God's race and becoming birthed into his family and be filled with the power of God. That's what it's all about. Amen. Too stiff and starchy, you'll never get it. Well, if you're ready to limber yourself up a little and cry, God will give it to you. Amen. He likes to hear his children cry. Cry for your needs to God. God wants it. That's his provided way. Cry for it. That's the way a baby cries. That's the way God, he wants you to cry. Cry how long? How long does a baby cry? Until he gets satisfied. And that's the way a believing Christian to do. God's child. If you see God made a promise, don't give up on it. Cry until it's answered. Hallelujah. Amen. Until when God vindicates his word. Cry until you see God vindicate his word and proves it here. Then you don't have to cry no more. You got it. And walk out there and thank him for it. But until you do that, scream out until you get it. Amen. I'll tell you, if there was some more sighing and crying for the abominations in the city, if there was more crying out to God for your lost loved ones, amen, if there were people on their knees calling to God until hell becomes shaken and hell has to let them loose. Hallelujah. Amen. If there was some more real crying of moms and dads of men and women in this church that begin to cry to God, Lord, whatever you do, move in this meeting. Speak to my heart. Do not leave me the same. Let me be changed in your presence. Oh, yeah. Well, you say, I believe. Well, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? Yes. Amen. You see, if people have no power because they stopped short of Pentecost. Well, you say, well, my brother Tim, we have the Holy Ghost today without sensation. Well, you didn't read the rest of the quote. You didn't read all the quotes. Not only did you not read the rest, you didn't read all of them. You want to, you, you know, people want to go to see like Matthew 28, 19, and not take Acts 2.38 and Acts 10 and Acts 19 and all the other scriptures. Because if you did that, you'd be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. There was never anybody anywhere ever baptized in all the scripture except in water. Come on, by immersion. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. That is the divine prescription and nothing else will work. But you know, you can take one scripture and say, well, we'll just do what Jesus said instead of what Peter said. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life. Amen. Because Jesus gives Peter the keys. How could he say something different than what Jesus said? Amen. And Peter didn't have to read between the lines either to get that revelation. He had heard what Jesus said and he knew exactly what he meant. And he just preached what was said. Amen. And they went forth everywhere and preached the name of Jesus and resurrection in his name and baptism in his name and the Holy Ghost in his name. And it never was her name. It was his name. It never was Elohim. It was Elohim. Notice sensation. 
Well, we want it today without sensation. In other words, we want it without feeling, without being aware, without consciousness, without perception. You know, we don't even know when we get it. You got it just because you believe. When did we go back to Baptist theology? You received the Holy Ghost since you believed. After you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It comes after believing. You have to believe. You see, it's not, it's not an atonement of faith. It's an atonement by faith. Through the blood. Right? You've got to believe. Amen. But there's got to be a real blood that you recognize and receive that you believe in. Somebody with me? But you see, Cain's offering that he altered at his altar. Are you with me? Was fruits, vegetables, things that of his works. It was botany life which has no feeling. And that's what people are offering today is a Cain's offering at a Cain's altar. Amen. Which was botany life with no feeling. I want you to understand this. Amen. That's a Cain's offering. But you see, where is the life of Christ in these forms? You got a form of godliness. Where's the life of Christ in it? They said, well, we believe, we believe, we believe the message. What Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. Amen. In my name, they will cast out devils. How come the devil wouldn't cast out of them? How come you still got the pornography? How come you're still a slave to sin? Amen. Are you with me? Amen. If you really believe the Holy Ghost to come. Amen. If you really believe the message, there will be a power of God into salvation. It will not save you in your sins. It will save you from your sins. These signs will follow them that believe. Jesus said, if a man believe on me, the works that I do shall he do also. He that believeth on me. See, he won't play around. He'll do it. How can it happen? Because the very life of Christ is in you. It don't put forth any wisdom. It won't grow in it. It's got to deny the wisdom to take the faith. Faith in the word, not wisdom in the word. Faith in the word. That's from wisdom versus faith. Now, the power of the new ministry is the third pull, which was shown to him as he pondered on this scripture and God would teach him the meaning of the scripture. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. I believe it's time that a people go into the spoken word to be that spoken word church under a super anointing of people who know their God and do exploits. Of people who have met him at the altar. Are you with me? Amen. Under a third pull anointing that brings you in that third pull, it pulls you to the altar, back to the original atonement, back to the blood, and back to the power of God. Do you believe that? That's what it ought to be today. And our emphasis turn from self and Laodicea to being all about Jesus. Oh, I want to see him. I've seen enough of man. I want to see him. I want to see Jesus, don't you? Amen, let the musicians come. I want to see Jesus. 
We've seen enough of man. We've seen a lot, a lot of intellect. We've seen a lot of man's ideas. But friends, you can come to God's chosen place of worship today. And that's in Jesus Christ. You get in him, you're part of his body. And once you're in his body, the works that I do, you shall do also. When you're in his body, Satan trembles when you recognize who you are. I don't want to stand that that day and he rebuked me. I sent cancer to you and you didn't rebuke it. I sent you out in power. And you didn't use what you had. I don't want to be that. I don't want to stand there on that day and realize I was given this word. And I didn't walk in the power of it. We want to be a church that is moved by the power of God and the salvation. Where people can find Jesus. Once you touch him, that's all that matters. It ain't about belonging to church. It ain't about attending here. This is not where he put his name. He put his name in him. And if we can get you into him... See, I can get you in this church. You're here this morning. But that didn't save you. That won't deliver you. That won't make you part of the rapture. You could be right here. When the rapture took place, sitting on a pew. And be left behind. I'll take one and leave one. It's not about getting them here. It's about getting them to him. As I said last Sunday. Oh, that we might get men to Jesus. Oh, that we might get a people in love with him. Oh, that we might get a people that welcomes his Holy Spirit. And it pays over them. Changes them in his presence. Like I said, I don't care if it's this altar, altar in your heart. Wherever your altar is, as long as you come to him. You just lose it all in him. In that secret place. Where he becomes real to you. Where he becomes Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. To you. A personal Savior. The third pull brings you to that altar. When the third pull is really preached, the real opening of the word, it'll bring you to the atonement. And yes, the church is the blood by the Spirit because of that Holy Spirit of God in her. The blood of God has come to cleanse her from sin. It's His blood. It's that atonement. Jack Cole saw the curtain pulled back enough to see the atonement would heal the sick. And he took and got his eyes off of that to the biggest tent, the most money, the most subscribers on his newsletter. And the emphasis changed to what it was really all about. 
It isn't about building kingdoms. Kingdoms of the world will give way to the kingdom of Christ. This is not about building another kingdom, another hierarchy. Following somebody out in some wilderness journey somewhere and dying. Some holocaust, some concentration camp. It's not about men anymore. It's got to be about Jesus. What about you today? Don't you want to see him? Don't you want to see him in the church? Don't you want to see him as he come down and the Holy Spirit moved? Victory coming lives. Cancer fade away. Alopecia goes. Eye diseases leave. Brain bleeds vanish. Eyesight comes back. Why? Because there was Jesus in the midst. And when you get him in the presence of Jesus, something changes. Amen. That spirit of lust has got to go. Spirit of pornography that's pulling you down in the sins has got to go. Because when you get in the presence of Jesus, it changes you forever. The drugs fall off, the alcohol, the dependence upon something like that for your happiness all fades away. And Jesus becomes everything. And it's all about him. It's not about her. It's him. When you say it today, I want it to be all about Jesus. I want it to be all about him. I want to see him. I've seen enough of people. Amen. I've seen enough of men. I want to see Jesus. I've seen human nature displayed and its anger and its beast nature. I want to see Jesus. That's what I want to see in my life. Oh, I want to see him. Just look upon his face. an old-fashioned altar this morning. Will we get our eyes back on Jesus? Will we get in love with him? Will the things of the world just begin to fade away? And it's all about him. 
forget what he did for you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory. Let the dove of the Holy Ghost, let that second dove just sweep over and bring healing to you. The Holy Spirit just moved right there. Amen. There's only one dove. But as the Holy Spirit moves, moves to the congregation, just yield to it right now. Amen. Just yield to him. Oh, What have I to dread? What 